Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. see the patterns of the moment right now if we're being distracted and disoriented by patterns of the past and in so-called mental illness and psychosis and things we actually see that we're hallucinating maybe not at the exact moment but at a certain point we're like wow that was big hallucination likely but people that are so-called normal still think the images and the ego that they're seeing is real so they're still delusional so i think this process of so-called psychosis and mania helps to heal the delusion of this attachment to images and not take the images so seriously and so to come back to regular ego consciousness and then and then take it seriously again is is missing the point a little bit i think we can level up socially with perspectivist approaches so people with trans consciousness perspectives can actually help us level up socially because we can perceive these social fabric issues the world's in recovery i don't even like the term recovery so i would like to transform that to rediscovery and recreation need to rediscover and recreate the world I think this trans consciousness, and I think I talked about this before, is a different line of intelligence. Intelligence we all have access to, it's not a mystery. It's just a, a line that we haven't developed, and it's one that when it starts to develop, and it could be part of the evolution of consciousness, um, it's somewhat misunderstood because we take the ego and consistency to be what a person is. That would be like having a clarinet and just playing the C note all the time. We have full range of tunes and melodies that we can play through our body consciousness instrument, but we just play the same old one all the time. And that makes other people comfortable apparently, but as soon as we're like, wow, there's so much more I can do with this body and this structure and in this universe that I'm in and a part of, then it's seen as illness, basically for stepping out of line. And in society, we have lineups for for the bank and lineups for food and lineups, lineups, lineups. We don't even know we have all these individual lineups in our own inner realm of the rules of society. And a lot of them are completely necessary, but some of them prevent us from actually fully expressing all the ways that we are and allowing that to come out and through us and playing our full range of notes if we identify with our ego self it's like having somebody with the most beautiful voice sing the same note all the time well each one of us is a beautiful human being and we're playing our same ego programs all the time we've lost those degrees of freedom it's like we have invisible straitjackets on. 
And part of sharing context and making new memes and meaning is just validating my own experience and hopefully validating some of yours and hopefully you can validate some of yours with yourself. And part of the validation is sort of like, okay, you're still human, it's okay. And I actually feel like it's beyond okay because it's about making new meaning and memes. So it's not just about, oh, it's okay, you're still human. It's actually, you're becoming more fully human. People that are diagnosed with bipolar disorder are said to have a mood disorder because they're up and they're down all over the place. They're actually more just responding fully in the moment and maybe it seems a bit extreme because everyone else is so dulled out and I'm not saying it's necessarily good but if a person was allowed to be that way for a certain period of time they would probably naturally start to calm down as they got used to perceiving certain things so they would eventually even out somewhat but a person like that might be might benefit from someone who can sort of coach them through it instead of say you're you're dysfunctional or you're dis, you're defective in a way and i guess that's kind of what tom wooten's doing he's helping people keep their cool and that's a very good thing if i did a campaign on stigma it would be screw stigma because this trans consciousness is awesome it takes a lot of practice to operate trans consciousness as opposed to ego consciousness just like it would take a lot of practice to ride a hundred foot wave it takes a lot of practice to ride the wave of the universe while jumping over the puddles of the society we've created and that's the part I like to talk about with this contextualization is that we have so much capacity within us. They talk about flow and how people are 500% more productive. Well, mania is like extreme flow. And people in those states, I feel, maybe are 10,000% more productive. And maybe they're 10,000% more productive for 30 days. And then they are crappy. They're, and then after that, they're non-functional. Well, that's why it's, for me, important to go back and harvest those 30 days of 10,000% productivity because those might be the products of one's life, of one's creations that inform the rest of one's life. So we might have harvested everything in a very short period of time where some people create consistently over time. Maybe some people are quite productive in 9 to 5 work and there's nothing wrong with that either. But not everybody is the same. Not everybody fits into that box. And I don't feel that people that have a certain type of consciousness that unfold something and create something in like a very short, powerful period of time, I feel people that have that need to be supported to harvest their mania and work towards what it was that they were here, the vision they were here to unfold the one that they gave birth to, the one that they cast, and and that is their creation. So if they take five years before they get back to even looking at harvesting their mania, so what? Um, 
support that person because whatever it is that they were a seed of is something powerful and wonderful and for the world person doesn't go through that kind of hell for no reason for just personal gain that's the thing we're not functional producers as human beings some of us produce everything in one month and then can't get to making it available in a way that is recognized for a long period of time and then other people love the nine to five other people love shift work other people love working for themselves a lot of people don't love what they do and that's what I feel is some of the people that go into manic consciousness some of the visions they're here to unfold and co-create likely with each other is something that will help the people that are in those states and places where they're doing things that they're really not happy with so we could possibly create some of the the structures of happiness some of like the adult child playfulness stuff that will help people reconnect with that so the people at flow genome project have the flow dojo and have people in contraptions to try and get them into flow well what if there was contraptions everywhere in society that would just make people playful and creative and learn and have fun and happy and then they would just be learning which is a creative state instead of all these meaningless things and then we try to get some sort of work or meaning out of it it's all really backwards in mania we go into that extreme ecstasy and joy and we see it everywhere and it is everywhere and in that way we see the pattern of how to create that and we can bring that back for people because we all want to go back there together I wrote down why aren't we making these amazing biochemicals within our inner pharmacy as human beings and I think a lot of it is to do with the ego and how it divides us and judges us and keeps us separated if we were in oxytocin consciousness, we would be bonded and collaborating and cooperating and we wouldn't feel this heaviness, we wouldn't feel alone, we wouldn't feel fearful, we wouldn't feel all these things. I feel like mania is the epigenetics. It's that energy which is changes the epigenetic expression which would change the biochemicals that are made within us, the endogenous things and I feel it changes towards tryptamines and oxytocin as well and it shows us exactly how we need to be in order for that to be created within ourselves and the interesting part about it is that it's not a dopamine reward so if I'm just doing that for my own pleasure then it's not going to work it's not going to put me into that state. It has to be for the collective humanity, which is oxytocin. Because that energy is to be made relational in the collective humanity. And because we are the context of that relational state. Mania is the opposite of psychosis and all the different factors and aspects and traits and experiences in mania are sort of those pieces that need to be added to society. And that, in that way, I feel like people that go into manic consciousness are social change agents. We downloaded that vision, we harvest, but we didn't harvest the vision, we didn't make it relational. We instead 
decided to accept the story that we're just ill and that it was delusion. Anything a manic would do. There's this like mannequin thing happening right now on the internet. I haven't seen any of it. But I was thinking manic kin as in M-A-N-I-C dash K-I-N. Which we're the manic kin. We're sort of the kin of mania. We've been born from that consciousness. And I think of it as sort of a rebirth. And, and the ego is sort of a disguise of this energy of this celebration. And there's psychedelic research going on. I think it reduces allostatic load and maybe wipes the slate clean of ekphoric sensation somehow. It's like channeling all that energy through it and processing it. I wonder if the if the psychedelic causes epigenetic changes towards oxytocin and safety and that heals that. It heals one's relationship with the universe in that fabric that we're immersed in as the universe and we then again feel the universe as a safe place and I posed the question before is this a playful universe and I think it's up to us to gesture that into reality and I just thought about how to gesture or gesture or something as a clown so gesture that into reality is this a playful universe? Well, we as human beings are the answer to that. It's almost like if a person makes a playful gesture, the other person has to be paying attention, has to recognize the pattern of play, which is something we can often, most often, recognize. And so when they recognize that, they're actually perceiving in the moment. They're not seeing their ego, and that brings them into the moment. And then all of a sudden, they're related to you through play. And then in that way, now they're in the moment and they're relational. And it's a social thing, so there's some oxytocin. So just by being a little bit playful and silly, it can change the social fabric. What I give my attention to is the epigenetics. So my attention is the light of my consciousness. And that's my perception. And what I perceive is going to be imprinted on my inner light body mind screen and that pattern is what's going to cause the epigenetic changes because the pattern recognition is what changes my physiology and so I can recognize something based on my ego past or I can recognize something based on how we are designed as human beings so there's a different type of recognition that's not of the past ego personality self it's just of how we're designed as human beings how our nervous systems are actually designed to respond through play and laughter and these things that we come here as children with and I'm wondering with kids it's it's, it's almost like we allow them to play until they're say age five or six and then a certain percentage of them end their life Maybe if we let them play a little bit longer, they would just have a bit more context in which to have that immunity to their own ego that it is going to develop. So what I give my attention to is the epigenetics or creates the epigenetic change. And so 
if I give my attention to play, I'm going to be creating play. I'm going to be saying, yes, this is a playful universe because I am the universe and I'm being playful. And so are these other universes. We're all overlapping universes. We're all each, we all each have all of this. And I was saying to someone once, we share every single bit of this except for our bodies, really. So we're mostly all the same and we're all a part of this Gaia sphere. Perception is epigenetics. I was thinking about how many of us who go into manic consciousness feel like we need to save the world. Well, what we record or what we perceive is sort of what ripples out as us, as the world. And so we save the world by what we record as reality. Even with the ego memories that we save and record in our bodies and minds, that's what we're saving as the world. We're saving all these garbage bits. And then we go around with these garbage bits and perceive the world. And just as this sort of miserable person are just recreating this misery and creating and and contributing to co-creating that. And we don't see that's what we're doing. I think this manic consciousness is a morphogenetic field that not many of us can tap into. Just like trauma gives us the trauma lens, mania gives us the adult childlike lens. And when one has both, one has a very large spectrum of context from which one can understand and perceive the world and it makes it more difficult as well because there's more information to take in. I feel like people that lose their ego can actually really see. They lose function but they gain vision and it's like seeing so clearly that one stumbles in reality constantly because one can see all the subtleties Whereas if one's blind to those things, it's easy to just keep walking straight ahead. When one has vision and access to peripheral vision, one can't help but looking around and seeing what's going on all around. And when one does that, one might actually turn and go off their straight and narrow path that their ego would otherwise direct them down. I feel like we need to forgive ourselves for taking on the story that society's given us relating to mental health because that creates stigma and then they say well it's not your fault no it's not our fault it's the co-creation of society and the people that have these experiences can see this trauma of society and then it's made into a personal problem Society is destroying people's brains. And in manic consciousness, we connect to those inner human dimensions. And it's part of our role to unfold this into the social fabric and make it relational, be positive social contagion, spontaneous social behaviors, pattern interrupt, heart resonance. I talked about 12 steps to mastering your visionary intelligence. And it could even be mastering your trans consciousness 
and the first one is you are the power not you are powerless and the second step is trauma-informed lifestyle reducing allostatic load uh, trauma release exercise emotional CPR safety plan RAP crisis plan representation agreement advanced directive zap straps create keeping oneself safe from suicide and there's a step about the human dimensions getting in touch with those as opposed to an unfolding based on those not unfolding one's life based on one's ego image false constructs and another step is about the mirror neurons spontaneous social behaviors random acts of kindness and it's about what skills and assets do we need how do we need to practice embodying our mania in order to create epigenetic changes in others and I think part of it is being playful which could be shit disturber in chief that's the thing if this isn't made really fun then it's not going to be that interesting so uh, what are your skills and assets that are your joys these inner human dimensions replace time our experience of time is the ego and when these inner human dimensions are there there is no time really and actually I just realized that that's likely why we have trouble falling asleep because the ego is the habit of okay well now it's time to go to bed and then we go to sleep based on habit but when all these habits are broken not only do we have more energy from not having these habits we're adjusting to we don't have that inner ego I think that ego creates inner space and time which is an illusion of being congruent to outer space and time outer space and time is actually more congruent to the inner human dimensions which are beauty truth love playfulness it's more congruent to that and just because things unfold in chronological time which we actually keep track of with a clock we we think that there's an inner equivalent so not that one doesn't need to sleep people do need to sleep I'm just thinking that maybe because the ego is scrambled that also scrambles our body clock our biorhythm of clock time because we're on a different biorhythm of that human inner human dimension which gives us access to a lot of energy and we don't need to sleep as much and that could just be actually part of how the universe is trying to vision cast through us and seed something through us that we can go back and harvest later and unfold in clock time slowly over time but it works over time in that period of of altered consciousness in order to actually bring it all into play for the next part of a person's journey I had a weird thought that they say or have read that there's a belief that people create their life in sort of a dream dimension before they come here on earth and maybe there's like a hundred years to do that or 20 years or something like that and I was just thinking about how it'd be interesting it's just an interesting thought that since there's way more people on the planet 
there's less beings in this dream dimension pre-creating their next life. So they have to come here to the planet prematurely. So perhaps we're actually all being birthed here prematurely and we're not fully able to integrate the vision we have for our life and live it out. So then we have all this distortion and so-called delusion and hallucination and go into these other states of consciousness which reconnect us with that dream dimension. Or maybe we do come here with that full dream dimension, but we go into that other consciousness to experience it again while we're living because the planet really, really needs people to be in co-creation and, co and collaboration with each other at this time. So we get we get like bonus dream time because we have to see this because there's more and more of us on the planet. And then interestingly enough, now a lot of kids are being born and developing autism where it's a different way of that, that dream happening. This is unfolding meaning in self dialogue. I've heard of open dialogue but they don't have open dialogue here, so I'm doing self-dialogue. There's an importance in mending the social fabric with emotional CPR, but also with people who want to be chief shit disturbers. A lot of us are traumatized and then we get so-called mental illness, and to me, it's that gesture, it's that action towards another that harmed them in such a way that felt traumatic and then eventually the allostatic load accumulates and they develop mental illness. Well, is it something wrong with their brain? Or was their brain scarred and traumatized by the actions of somebody else, the gestures of somebody else? And in that way, with different gestures, we can actually work towards healing that. So the disordered action of people being violent and things actually is creating so-called brain disorders in other people. I was thinking about this company as it's more than a company, it's about people as company, as accompanying other people, as each person is company to another. So it's a company about company and it's about how are you contagious? We need to go from the limited ego to the world-centric we-go. It's not about personal growth. That is a mental illness. It's about we-go growth. I also feel like it wouldn't take that much money to really work with somebody to facilitate them to really thrive and no longer rely on the system in ways And again, there's the label. So I could say to people, I have bipolar disorder, or I could talk for a hundred hours on video about the richness of that experience and that continued experience. And I also feel it's important to invest in human brains. If a brain can be restored to learning, it will be self-fulfilling and interdependent and save a lot of money as well as social costs of somebody 
not participating in reality, but it's also not just participating in the cog in the machine reality, but co-creating the life that a person came here to live. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.